This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 364, recorded Thursday, March 8th, 2018. It sure is. Good job on the intro, Jason. You didn't get Thanks. anything wrong. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Which, to be fair, you you rarely do. I'm usually the one who screws up the intro. Well, when am I not wrong? When are you not wrong? You're yeah, all. I'm, just, you're, I'm always wrong about something. So not. I, yeah, it's nice to not get anything, you know, blatantly incorrect. But there's probably something wrong. <laughs> Usually is. I'm sure there's something wrong. Yeah. Well. You did a good job, and we are here to do our feedback show for um, the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, and uh, I'm excited to do that. It's uh, it's going to be a good show. The first thing we need to do, as always, though, is talk about the ratings a little bit, and this is less exciting, I'm afraid. Oh. Because the ratings for Season 8, Episode 10 are in, and the number of millions of people who watched it is down to 6.82 oh. million. Wow. 6.82. It's really kind of weird when you say when you say the number of millions of people is down. It's still a lot of fucking people. It, it, it really is. And I want to talk about this a little bit because UndeadWalking.com published a article, an article called Hot Take. The Walking Dead rating slide is fake news. And it's a little bit of an interesting read that I wanted to bring up and talk about here a bit, because there are plenty of articles and posts out there on the internet that are essentially taking an alarmist viewpoint of this in that 6.82 million is a really low number for The Walking Dead. It shows that the show is dying, uh, things like that, that people are just jumping to conclusions that people are just not tuning into this program anymore. And Undead Walking published this article calling this basically fake news. Now, most of the other articles on the internet were saying that this is the lowest rated episode since season one, episode five, which is, you know, a long time ago. Now, that claim is based on the fact or based on the Nielsen number. And I don't recall off the top of my head exactly how they calculate these, but the Nielsen number was 2.9 in the 18 to 49 demographic for this week's episode. And that is, in fact, the lowest number since season one, uh, episode five. Isn't the episode five the one where Daryl threw that bandolier of squirrels at Rick? Well, it was called Wildfire, and it was the one right before the CDC, right? So it could have been, yeah. That's what I think. But I have a hard time reconciling uh, low ratings with Daryl throwing squirrels because they just don't seem to mix in my head. No, no, you'd think that would be a high rated, highly rated episode. Yeah, so I'm sorry, I digress. Go ahead. That's all right. Um, so 2.9, yes, indeed is the lowest Nielsen number since that episode. 6.82 million actually isn't the lowest since then. That's the lowest since season two, episode 12. So a, a little bit different. And... The Walking Dead has been up against a couple of TV juggernauts, historically speaking, in the last two weeks. The premiere, or the mid-season premiere, I mean, 
aired on the same night as the closing ceremonies of the Winter Olympics. Right. So a lot of people were watching that. You know, I know the Winter Olympics don't get the viewership that the Summer Olympics do, but still, closing ceremonies, it's a big deal. People tune into that. As Or, or as I like to call them, the Slippery Olympics. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? We have the Slippery Olympics in my backyard in the summer every year with uh, slip nice. and slides. Well, that, and The Winter Olympics is the Slippery Olympics because that's where all, a lot of people, a lot of the sports involve sliding. They do. Sliding. Right? Slipping and sliding and skating. And all. yeah, it's the Slippery Olympics, whereas the Summer Olympics, it's more grippy. <laughs> the slippery Olympics and the grippy Olympics. There's a That's right. tongue twister for you. Yeah. Um, and then closing ceremonies, big deal. Lots of people watching. Lots of people watching. And then uh, episode ten this week, they were up against the Oscars, the ninetieth anniversary of the Oscars. Lots of people watching. Now, the Oscars were the lowest rated Oscars they've ever had too, but it's still well, a lot Well, that's because I didn't watch them and I count for like 50 million people, oh, I believe. Easily, yes. Who hosted host. this year? I don't know anything about the Oscars. Uh, same guy as last year, Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, okay. Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, it was it, uh, not a great Oscars show in my opinion. He, I thought he did a better job the year before, so I don't know. But anyway. Allison Janney won and that makes me happier than anything in the whole world. She, she really did. Yeah, yeah, she did. Uh, and what's his name for Get Out won Best uh, Original Screenplay, which is amazing yeah. too. So yeah. really great. But we're not here to talk about the Oscars. All I wanted to say is The Walking Dead has been up against those two things two weeks in a row now, which are going to affect the number of people watching it. There's just no denying that. However, the UndeadWalking.com posted this article basically outlining these things that first of all, it's, it's up against, you know, heavy competition so far since it's returned. And the, but the main point of the article was that, yes, the numbers are down a little bit, but The Walking Dead still dominates Sunday night. And they posit that until that changes, until they start losing Sunday nights to somebody else, there is really no reason to say that The yeah. Walking Dead is starting to to die or just fail in the ratings because they're still the highest watched show that evening and the highest rated cable show on TV. Yeah. I think the, the actual quantity of uh, these, the ratings uh, is not necessarily uh, the only uh, key performance indicator that uh, that AMC is using to determine whether or not this show is a success. Right. And, and I think we say something like that every week, you know, every time, because yeah. it, it yeah, because up. there's, there's things like being up against other juggernauts. There's, uh, things like people are not watching TV live anymore. Like who the fuck does that? I guess a couple of million people a year or a day watch uh, live television, but, uh, yeah, I don't watch live television. No. Never. I don't have, I, that's why I didn't watch the Oscars. That's why I didn't watch the slippery Olympics. Uh, I just, I don't have live television in my house anymore. Right. Right. So there's a lot of different things. We still talk about the, you know, live plus one day ratings or whatever these numbers represent, just to sort of compare the show to itself, right? As it goes on, like from episode to episode and season to season, I think that's a valid comparison. Um, and then, but the other thing that this Undead Walking uh, article brought forward to me is the idea that the demographic has changed a lot in 10 years. And I'll read this little excerpt from it. They, the, the author said, the key viewership demographic is changing for The Walking Dead. Sure, the key demographic in the television industry is the 18 to 49-year-olds. But when the show premiered in 2010, the current 18-year-olds were only 10. 
and the current 49-year-olds were 41. So the people who were 49 when it premiered are now well into their 50s, 58 maybe. So who knows if they're still watching? They, they might be, but they're also not counted in this uh, demographic. And the people who were 10 years old when it started probably didn't start watching it, 10 or 11 or 12 even, probably didn't start watching it, you know, six years in. They might right. have. You never know, but the the audience that they had when it started has now shifted by nine years, and that affects things, right? That changes things. So, you know, it just hit me like a slap in the face. What's that? In three years, I'm not going to count anymore. Oh my God, man! You're I'll be right. outside of that 18 to 49 demographic, and then where will I be? Well, that's why you count for a lot more than one right now. Yeah, you're making up for not it. Not in a couple of years, and it's going to be some old guy. God Who cares what he thinks. <laughs> Clearly nobody. <laughs> wow. Man. Even less than they'd care now. Yeah. So I will post the uh, link to this article when this uh, episode of the podcast goes up, if you're interested, but it's on undeadwalking.com and it was called Hot Take. The Walking Dead rating slide is fake news um, because they still do dominate Sundays and they dominate cable shows. So despite the numbers being down, it is... Uh, Still a pretty successful TV show. Yeah. All right. Well, with all that said, let's dive into our listener feedback for season eight, episode 10. Listener feedback. Our first one is a quick hit here from Barbara on Facebook. Barbara writes, holy crap, did you see that? Rick and Michonne left fresh food on the counter when they left home. Really? Oh. What kind of fresh food? I didn't notice. I went back and checked, and there is a big plate full of tomatoes and onions, uh, maybe something else, like fresh vegetables, just sitting there, and they left. I probably would have taken those. Well, I mean, you'd think you'd want to hang on to those sorts of supplies. I mean, food is rather important. Yeah, you got got an orange backpack. Stick it in there. Stick it in there. Exactly. But That's what the backpack's for. It's not just for pudding. (laughs) <laughs> it's pudding and weapons and canned beans, but fresh tomatoes and onions too. And undies. Take take lots of undies. That's a good point. You do want to take extra clothing. You don't want to live through the zombie apocalypse in dirty underwear all the time. Believe or, me. <laughs> Jason lives through his own hell in dirty underwear all the time. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Well, it's just one of these fresh, like the food there, it's just one of these details that I, I don't really get, like... I don't know. I guess that was there and they were about to cook a meal and the saviors attacked and they decided to just abandon it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, wasting food is a fad. Maybe they're just, uh, it's one of those fads that they have in the zombie apocalypse. It's like, I'm so awesome. I can leave food behind just Mm. so I can feel awesome. I don't buy into that. No, probably not. Food wasting fads. Not cool. No. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Jennifer in Minneapolis. Mini, mini in that, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. <laughs> Minneapolis. Uh, okay. So Jennifer mentioned a bunch of things that she liked about the episode and finished with this. To top it all off, Rick is carrying the orange backpack. The backpack is taken off the dead guy. They refuse to help in season through. Three. <laughs> Man, the backpack Glenn used to escape the prison, the backpack Carl just used to help Sadiq. Seriously, this backpack is meaningful. It's so cool that they continue to use it as a symbol. I get excited every time I see it. Yeah, me too. I mean, the backpack is going to, I feel like it's going to outlive everybody on the show. And 
it'll be like the last thing we see in the final shot of the final oh. episode. So that's what The Walking Dead is about. An orange backpack. An orange backpack. You know, there's some speculation that The Walking Dead was all about Carl, but apparently not. So maybe it's all about this backpack. It's just the story of this backpack told through these other uh, minor characters. Right, right. And it was the backpack wasn't even introduced until season three, right? So well, they needed the setting and yes. uh, stuff, right? They needed to have the environment set up so that the, the backpack's introduction would be meaningful. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, orange backpack. It's, it's, it's exciting every time it's on screen. We should name it. Other than orange backpack? Uh, that's a good name. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you come up with something else, you let me know. Okay. Uh, Paul in London writes, what an episode. The title cards were a little strange and Enid and Aaron's pointless quest to help get from the bamboo uh, to get help from the bamboo fisherwoman crew was boring as hell, but we got we get Simon going rogue and disobeying Negan. Jadis finally becomes interesting and learns how the sausage is made. Rick and Michonne forget what show they're on and go medieval Game of Thrones style. Then we finally get something more than the A-team with zombies with Rick and Negan talking and Negan making some good points. Seems like the show can still pull it out of the bag when it wants to. The orange bag. The orm- <laughs> seems like the show can still pull it out of the orange backpack when it wants to. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, well, I like the title cards and, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, uh, Enid and Aaron's quest was a bit pointless. It depends on why Aaron was squatting behind that tree. Right. It was, I mean, Paul isn't the only person I've heard complain about that section of the episode and it was the weakest. It did seem a little bit ridiculous for them to show up there, kill their leader, even if it was sort of in defense, self-defense. Oops. Yeah. And then, and then have the Oceanside people be like, we're going to kill you. No, we're not. We're going to let you go. Aaron's going to stay. Enid's going to leave. And, but Aaron's not really staying. He's hiding behind a tree. It all seemed a little weird, especially when you think about it later. Yeah. It's a, it does seem a little out of place. Let's hope it, uh, you know, comes to fruition and is fantastic. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I won't be surprised if it leads to something. In fact, it better, better not be completely pointless, but, um, if the outcome of whatever they're doing there is satisfying, I don't know, but I'm, uh, with the rest of this episode being so good, I can sort of forgive this and I hope it does come through as something really cool. Yeah, me too. Pretty much. All right. Next we have a call from designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason, designer Will from Brooklyn with some feedback for episode 10, The Lost and the Plunderers. I just finished this episode and I really enjoyed it. I think there were a lot of good interactions between key characters and the pacing uh, overall was really nice. We had a really good interaction with Simon and Negan in the beginning and then seeing Simon come unhinged at the dump and how he lost his temper. I thought that was really well done. And as a whole, uh, just the way Rick, you know, Uh, showed his despair throughout the entire episode it's evident he's still kind of in shock and I thought that was that was carried well throughout and then of course Rick and Negan's call at the end I thought that really was well done Negan picking up on on Rick's vulnerability and, and choosing to use it against him and the way Rick reacted I think that's just definitely on point um the only major thing that I'm gonna hate on here is is 
the whole Enid, Aaron, Oceanside thing, I mean, I'm still trying to figure this out. So Enid goes in and kills the leader of Oceanside, and then Oceanside chooses to allow Enid and Aaron to leave and walk away. Enid's hostile through the whole interaction, and then she still feels that they're in the wrong, Oceanside, for not joining Team Rick. This seems so illogical that I cannot relate to this, which makes me just write off uh, Enid's character. I just think the whole thing um, with Oceanside is just muddying the story and the cause. I don't know if they're just trying to set up something to, to get rid of Enid and or Aaron's characters because they have to leave the show or something, but I can't think of any other reason that this really fits the, the story arc. Dear writers, show your work. Please explain. Anyway, <laughs> thought this was a good episode overall. Just had to, uh, had to call that last bit of bullshit, if you will. Keep it up, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks, Designer Will. Obviously, he's on the same page as we are <laughs> because yep. uh, nobody really seemed all that impressed with the Enid and Aaron stuff. Um, so, uh, the, but, so, yeah, I, that seems to be a common thing. The other thing I, I wanted to mention from his call is that he mentions Rick is in shock. And that's a pretty understandable state to be in after what he's just gone through, losing his son and uh, Alexandria being more or less destroyed, although their house full of fresh vegetables wasn't destroyed, as we noticed. Um, but well, that's because uh, that's um, I think maybe Negan was saving that house. Maybe that's where he made spaghetti, right? It is. Yeah, that's where he made spaghetti. So he sat on maybe the porch. he wants to make spaghetti again, and uh, at the time he's thinking Carl's still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, or at the time Carl was still alive, so maybe he saved that house on purpose. It could be. He sat on the porch holding Judith. He made the spaghetti. He spent some time there. So that place holds, that house holds a special place in his heart. Yeah. Maybe he'll even bring back some mattresses. He, maybe he will. Um, but as back to Rick being in shock, like Rick is behaving rather aggressively and hostile and he's not really living up to sort of his promise to Carl to, to make the world a more peaceful place, which I think other, uh, listeners are going to get into later on in this podcast, but you know, him being in shock, I think maybe explains that a little bit. He's not thinking straight. He hasn't really got all his ducks in a row yet after going through such a horrific experience, losing his son and, and all that. So can you hold that against him for now? Maybe not. Yeah. And it's hard to give up an addiction too. You have to try when you stumble, to, you have to retry to uh, to give up that addiction. So maybe he's completely addicted to uh, killing people and trying to better uh, his life and other people's lives through murder. Revenge. And he's addicted to revenge. revenge yeah. yeah, maybe, you know, it's hard to give that up. So when you first try, you probably will stumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, addictions are hard to kick. So, you know, you got to try again. So, you know, maybe he's just, this is just his first attempt at it and uh, we have to forgive the stumbling. So there's a lot working against Rick right now is what we're yeah. saying. That's right. And he needs time to get himself organized and, and get himself in the right state of mind for peace. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was on mute there for a second. Uh, the, and the first step is to acknowledge that you have a problem. So right. maybe, you know, we've done that. We've acknowledged, you know, I kill people. I really should stop. I got a problem. <laughs> Good. It's the first step. Hope he can get the step two. 
hi, my name is Rick, and uh, I'm a murderer. <laughs> right, and I don't want to be a murderer. Hi, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, all right, next up is Chelsea from Michigan, and Chelsea writes, what do you guys think about the title cards? I was wondering if they are possibly the characters Carl wrote letters to. Oh, shit. I like this. I like this idea, except I can't see Carl writing a letter to Simon or Jadis. Rick, of course, Michonne, Michonne of course, Negan, of course. We know those. Um, and yeah. Simon, I can't see him. Why would he write a letter to Simon? And why would why he write a letter to Why wouldn't he write a letter to Simon? He's, he, I know you would write a letter to Simon, but he's I've not. I've written a letter to Simon in my heart. <laughs> he's not you. And, 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 and even if it, there was one to Simon for some crazy reason, uh, Jadis, I, I can't see it. I, un, unless it would be because he, he was he's there. He's never met Jadis. Yes, he has. He, when Jadis has came he? and she shot Rick in the leg. I mean, oh, they yeah, were, right. Yeah, that's how you meet people in this show. You, yeah. They show up and shoot someone you like. Right. And, and um, Carl was the first person to sh start shooting, remember, when the, uh, when the, the scavengers double-crossed them. Right. Okay, so I guess there's that. But I still think it's unlikely. I think it's a great idea, and I think it would have been a cool way to frame the episode that these are the people, these are the letters that he wrote. Uh, but I don't think so. Yeah, you make a compelling argument, but I think it would have been very cool. Yeah, but it's a neat idea, and it hadn't occurred to me before uh, Chelsea wrote in, so interesting to think about anyway. Yeah, good thinking. All right, next we have an email from Don in Wisconsin. How did Dean the savior in the coffin, turn into a walker if Maggie shot him in the head to kill him? Well, the answer, Don, is that Maggie did not actually shoot him in the head. Uh, it, it's, it's, un, um, it's unclear in that episode. I went back, she pulls him out of there, she points the gun, she shoots. It does kind of look like, you know, she shoots him in the face, um, but it's dark and it's very quick. And so I think maybe she got him in the neck got him in the shoulder, upper torso, uh, but didn't actually shoot him in the head. So he turned into a zombie, they threw him in a coffin, and they sent him to Negan. A headshot isn't necessarily an insta-kill. It is in this show. Like, touching somebody with a sharpened stick immediately kills them. But uh, in real life, people get shot in the head and in the face and uh, don't die all the time. Right, right, right. But if there's, if there's a shot through the brain, like, you're not going to become a, a zombie. Yes and yeah, yes, yeah, yes and no. I mean, people have been shot through the brain and have not died. Yeah, I know that, but <laughs> he obviously did die and obviously did reanimate. So what? What Don well, I and guess I guess he died, but there was enough of the brain stem left. Yes, because we know that the uh, the 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 reanimation is lower brain stuff, right? It's not like we don't have the upper brain reasoning and memory. We have some residual memory, Correct. but it's mainly lower brain stuff where they uh, get up and walk around. So maybe, uh, I don't know if we're going to get that particular, but if you blob somebody's, you know, frontal lobe off, it won't necessarily kill a zombie, in my opinion. You well, have to go to the, you know, the medulla oblongata and you got to get that fucker. I don't know, man. I They seem to be able to just stab people in the head anywhere they feel like and that terminates the zombie. So... Yeah, I sure they've played loose with the rules a little bit, but it's not that big a deal. I just think that if Maggie had shot that guy, you know, through the eye socket or whatever, 
there'd be no reanimation of Dean. However, there was. So I think she got him just a little bit lower. I don't know. Carl got shot in the eye. Uh, he got his eye shot out. Like it, like. He kinda, lived. Yeah, I know. It That's d- a headshot. <laughs> destroyed his eye and the bullet came out the side and destroyed his like ocular bone or whatever you call it. Uh, but maybe, okay, maybe that's what happened to this guy. Maybe the bullet just grazed him and he went down and then died of his wound. I don't know. Seems kind of iffy though. I think, uh, I think Don's right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. The point is though, he did become a zombie and then Negan had to nail gun him in the head. You have to remember Don and everybody that consistency is the refuge of the weak minded. Ah, yes. So we just have to let this thing go. And assume that they did it because they're incredibly smart. Right. Yeah. She shot him just the right way because that was her plan all along. That's right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Don, for that. Mark in Leicester, UK, writes, Regarding the blue paint, Jadis says in her speech that people are the paint and they can become anything new. Rick and Simon both have blue paint on their shoes. This may mean that they are going to develop into new people. Uh, blue people. New people, blue people. <laughs> blue uh, new people. Maybe they'd be the blue man group. Or the Navi. Or that. Yeah, they grow really, really tall. Yep. And they'll get their tentacles all intertwined. It seems like it took you a fraction of a second there to figure out what I was talking about. Yeah, I've written that movie out of reality. <laughs> Didn't like it, eh? Well, it's got some issues. Okay. I don't, I, I, we don't need to get into them. <laughs> no. <clears throat> it's basically dances with wolves in on space. A, in space with me- giant mech suits, right? Okay, anyway, we're going to move on from uh, from this. And we've got, we, we're going to get some more uh, of these movies, right? Because uh, what's his name from Fear the Walking Dead was killed off and he's going to be in those movies. Correct. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, James Cameron's doing a whole bunch of them. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. No. Uh so what are we talking about? Blue paint, new people, blue people. Right. Uh, so you think that uh, Simon's going to turn another leaf and become uh, less murdery? I think what Mark is saying is that it's just sort of symbolism for a couple of characters that are going to change or develop a little bit. The blue paint, or sorry, the people are the paint and you can create whatever you want with the paint on a canvas. So these are the characters that have been marked with the blue paint. And so they're the ones that are going to evolve. Rick, we kind of know that's what Carl's asked him to do. Simon, he's standing up to his boss, which we've never really seen before. So maybe that signals a change there as well. Maybe this is the tie to the blue handprints on the porch is that, uh, that was from Carl and, uh, Judith. And maybe it's because of, uh, his ask of, uh, Negan and, uh, his dad that they not, that they change their ways. Mm-hmm. And so that initiated the change so that maybe that's the tie between the blue paint on the, on the porch and the blue paint on, uh, on the shoes of Rick and Simon. Yeah. I, I just feel like it has to mean something. It's, uh, otherwise they... It's just like they had extra blue paint on set, so that's all they could use. And I want right. I want it to be more than that, you know? Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. All right, next we have an email from Jason in Indiana. Uh, Jason writes, I think Simon might be sticking around a lot longer than you guys think. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Stephen Ogg has 
uh, was brought in as a full-time actor before season eight. I'm not sure of the terminology, but I thought he got some sort of contract. I feel like they wouldn't bring someone on full-time and pay them that kind of money just to kill them off in the same season, right? Yeah, and so I went and tried to figure out what Stephen Ogg's status was on the show, and according to Wikipedia, he is listed under the main cast um, for season eight. Sorry, he's listed under the list of the main cast, and he was called a recurring character in season seven and also starring character in season eight, hmm. which, which I think is one step up. So I don't know that he's considered a um, primary cast member, but there was a list of uh, main cast and secondary cast, and he was under the main cast. Wow. Uh do you think anybody's ever done a doctorate in the meaning of uh, credits and how the credits interact with uh, the people's status on the show, on movies and such? Because like, I know it's important. Just, like if you, your name comes first or last, you're very important. Right. Uh, so so do that, you think that anybody's ever done a doctoral thesis on this kind of thing? Basically an analysis of movie credits? Movie and television credits Could. and their meaning in the socio-economic structure of a, <laughs> uh, a television and or movie Maybe. production. I mean, people have studied crazier things, so who knows? Because you bet your friggin' ass that their place in the credits is part of their contract. Oh, probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> I've never been in credits. I have uh, once. Remember, we, uh, we did something for work one time where I did, I would operated a camera and we filmed a band. Oh and my then God, put years it together And yeah, I was in the credits. Years ago. Fun. There you go, man. You have been in the credits. That was fun. <laughs> I wonder Let's if do that's, that again. I wonder if that's available anywhere any, anymore. Oh, I doubt it. Me too. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, Stephen Ogg, um, he's, he's a main character and, uh, yeah, They've Jason. main characters before. I don't think that the fact that he's a main character, uh, makes him safe in any way, shape or form. No, I, I wouldn't think so. But if he just recently became one. Maybe they keep him around for a while, but oh, I mean, no, last hired, first fired, my friend. That's true, yeah. But his if if it was season eight where his status was changed, I mean, you know, we're ten episodes into season eight out of sixteen, so there's lots of time for him to be to be killed off still. Yeah, maybe they just did the credit thing in order to mess with our heads. There could be that too, you know. They here, did that with Glenn, make him a main cast member, and then just throw him off a cliff. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, me now, right? Ryan in Massachusetts writes, Stephen Ogg, AKA Simon was absolutely riveting in this episode. His dialogue with Negan was super suspenseful and the look on his face after the saviors killed the garbage people was truly terrifying. I was honestly surprised he didn't get killed in this episode, given the extended screen time he got. That's true. Mm, but give him another know. couple episodes. Yeah, I let's hope he, we give him many, many more than that. Uh, yeah, let's give him let's give him a whole season, ten, ten seasons, and then uh, maybe let him ride a motorcycle off into the sunset. There you go. Sounds good, Stephen Ogg. All right, Nick. Stephen Ogg, hooray! Next, we have a call from uh, Lord Summerisle. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Lord Summerisle calling from Warrington in the UK with my thoughts on the Lost and the Plunderers. My main thought was regarding Simon and Negan. And it just occurred to me that uh, Simon probably told the wrong lie to Negan regarding the garbage pail kids. Why didn't he just say to him, oh, they opened fire on us, um, so we had to wipe them out? 
you know, by choosing to say what he did say, he's just going to get in trouble further down the line, isn't he? Anyway, um, it was a good episode, and one of the reasons I thought it was a good episode is because it was in daylight. It seems dozens and dozens of episodes in the past have just had them creeping around in the gloom, firing machine guns. So it was nice that it was set in daylight, and it was nice that um, the story moved on a bit. Um, love your show. Um, often it's better than the main event, but hopefully um, that last episode was an indicator that things are moving on for the better. Thank you very much, Lord Summer Isle. Now, the idea that the show is in the daylight, that's great. Uh, I agree. I It kind of bugs me when they do everything at night because dark sometimes is just there to hide things. And I don't like that. When the shows are well lit and bright and good looking, I prefer that. Yeah. I like the nighttime. Yeah, but take a woman, take a woman, take a uh, movie, <laughs> take a movie like Wonder Woman is what I was going to say. That take movie, a woman like Wonder Movie. Perfect. That's what I meant. Um, that movie opens with some incredible training action sequences on the the, the island that the uh, Wonder Woman's people are from. Amazons, the Amazon Island or whatever. It's it called. has a name. I can't remember it. Those sequences are Phenomenal, I thought. I thought they were amazing. They were incredible to watch, and they're all bright sun, beautiful daylight. You can really see what's going on. And those women kick some major ass, and it's awesome. And then the climax of the film takes place at night in the dark, and you can't follow it, and you don't know what's going on. And it's just this giant, heavy CGI bullcrap that DC does. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, it was symbolism. Don't get me wrong. It was the light and the, the you know, the, the, the Garden of Eden kind of thing. And then you have to fight evil in evil's lair. It uh, was, it was, it was all symbolism. It, the movie was great. And I loved the Wonder Woman movie. It was the best DC movie, but the ending had all the same problems that all of those DC movies have where it's, it's a nighttime ridiculous fight against a all CGI supernatural villain. And it was kind of dumb. Now, the rest of the movie made up for it because I thought there was plenty of amazing stuff in there. But my point is, the daylight stuff is really, really good. And, um, you know, Lord Summer Isle is right. It's nice to see an episode done done in the daylight for once. Okay. And, and now after that, I can't remember what the first part of his call was about. Do you? <laughs> no. Oh, I had a point. You ruined of, me. I'm sorry. I had a point about that as well. And he mentioned Garbage Pail Kids. I got distracted by that too. Garbage Pail Kids. Um, oh, Simon lying about what he did. Right. I agree with him that Simon, you know, telling a lie is just going to, that's going to bite him in the ass later. The problem is he, he lied, but if he hadn't lied, he still you know, he still didn't do what he was supposed to do. So he's kind of screwed either way. And maybe the lie is worse because he also had a whole bunch of other saviors there with him who now have to support oh, that lie. Now it's a conspiracy. Well, they have to join the conspiracy and they're not going to do that. If Negan comes up to one of them and says what really happened, somebody's going to blab. Yeah. The only way three people can keep a secret is if you kill two of them. And there were a lot more than three there. So exactly, yeah. There's no way. That's this is the problem. So this is why I don't think that the uh, that uh, the world governments are uh, hiding aliens. It just there's no way that they could keep this a secret for so long. <laughs> That's right. It's just it's impossible. You know, the it would get out. There's too many people yeah. involved. 
too many too many aliens. I mean, why would the aliens need want to keep this a secret? I think they would come down and go, uh, what? Yeah, we're here. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, seriously, come on. Uh, don't listen to them. L- listen to me. I'm an alien. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. These exactly. guys are morons. Total morons. So anyways, Simon is digging a hole for himself that I don't think he's going to be able to climb out of. Well, uh, I believe in Simon. And uh, if he's anything like me, he's a fantastic liar and can get away with pretty much anything. Well, okay. Maybe you and Simon have more in common than I think then. Well, I, that's what that's what I hope because I'm was i I'm, I'm actually a very, very good liar. It's sad, but it's true. But I now only lie for good. I don't lie for evil. I got it. And, and uh, as a general rule, I get away with shit. Like my whole life, I usually get away with doing stuff. All right. Well, that's a useful skill to have, I guess. It's luck. I don't think it's the skill. I just, I'm, I'm also, it also helps to be really good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Jason can talk himself out of any situation. Pretty much. All right. Move it on. It's you, Jason in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Jason in St. Cloud, Minnesota <laughs> writes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I thought Rick was going to honor Carl's wishes in the letter and have a ceasefire uh, to keep his son's memory alive. Instead, he's going scorched earth with Negan, and I don't like it. I see Rick is losing all control and maybe uh, replaced as the leader. Ooh, who's going to replace him? Maggie. I guess Maggie. Yeah, she's stepping up right now. Uh, but this is sort of what I was saying before. Yeah, he's um, he's just gone all crazy, but he's in shock. So give him some time to get his shit together, and then he might do the right thing. Well, the last time this happened, he went full on into crazy town for quite a while. He was talking to Laurie on the phone. Uh, there was all kinds of craziness going on. So now he's lost his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's going to go to crazy town for a little bit. I mean, for crying out loud, he's carrying around an orange backpack and left a bunch of food on the table. He's clearly That's crazy. Not, clearly not thinking straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see so, where. No, so yeah, absolutely. He's... Uh, I, I think that he's stumbling. I don't know if uh, if necessarily he'll be replaced as a leader, but uh, he, he's definitely in shock and not doing what he's trying. He's trying to do what Carl asked him to do, but it's really hard because Negan's such an ass, right? He is. He's it's a huge, hard not to want to kill him. He's a huge Except ass. Except that nobody does when it comes when the chips are down. It's like, yeah. oh, look, I've got a gun pointed to his head. You know what? I don't feel like pulling the trigger today. Yeah. But then as soon as you take 14 steps away from the guy, you're like, shit, I should have pulled the trigger. That guy's such an asshole. I'm going to go try and kill him again. You walk up to him again and go like, you know what? I don't feel like it again. I changed my mind one more time. It's weird. It's weird. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird. Uh, Okay. So Dave in the UK writes, uh, the final episode of season seven had Negan about to swing Lucille at Carl's head before Negan was distracted by a CGI tiger. I believed that Negan was going to do this. He was pissed off with Rick and he swung that bat, bat way back to to, uh, re- to be ready to smash into Carl's head into a gooey mess. Nothing we have seen since uh, since then gives, us, gives the viewer the indication that Negan was just having a joke. Fast forward 10 episodes and the producers would now like the viewers to believe that Negan is upset that Carl is dead and that Carl is go- was going to be the future. 
How can this be? Has Negan had a change of heart about Carl and now feels guilty that once uh, that he once threatened his life? Does This doesn't make sense. Negan's response to hearing Carl's demise should have been, ha ha ha, this is about time. It's about time that one-eyed fuck got chewed up and wasn't for that pesky tiger, I would have placed his other eye in my marble jar. So Dave is saying that Negan seems to have had a rather large change of heart since he was about to smash Carl's head in to now being remorseful or at least upset that he's dead. Well, you got to think that Negan is probably slightly unhinged as well, because uh, just before he was about to smash Carl's head in, he was sitting down making spaghetti, hanging out with him, thinking he was a pretty cool dude. Yeah, right. That's true. And then he, then I, I think then it was the change of heart as, uh, you know, he was angry. He was a little bit unhinged. He took a, he wanted to take a swing at Carl and then this magic CGI tiger showed up and prevented him. And now he's gone back. So he flip flops back and forth. I think the true, uh, the true feelings that Negan has is that, uh, Carl was the future and then he's sad. I think the swinging of the bat to kill him was all in anger and uh, him, Negan being unhinged Negan. Well, he loses his temper, I think, but I, I think it all sort of fits, to be honest with you. I agree that he probably does believe that, um, that Carl was an important part of whatever future they're trying to build. But as we know, Negan also decides that the best way to save people is to kill one and make a point. And he is willing to kill anybody to make that point, including Carl. So even though Carl's important and Carl's the future and he liked him, I guess, um, he was willing to sacrifice Carl to bring the rest of the community in line and technically save them. So I think it kind of fits with Negan's personality and the way he operates, even though it does, you know, it, it does make him, and and not even though, I think it, it actually makes him a more well-rounded, slightly deeper character, right? In, in that he has this sort of feeling for these characters, but he's willing to do what needs to be done to try to save the world, if that's or what he's trying to do. Or kill who needs to be killed in order to save somebody his lifestyle. to murder? His lifestyle. He's, he's creating a lifestyle for him and his people, and he's willing to kill everyone to uh, further that goal. Aren't we all? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Charlie and Rally writes, since Rick decided to fight back against Negan, we have been presented several times with the theme of good Rick who wants to kill versus bad Negan who wants to save. Twice in this episode, Negan discusses uh, saving, the first time in a heated discussion with Simon and again with Rick on the walkie. I'm not saying that Negan is really the good guy, but maybe he is closer to Carl's vision than Rick. Well, I don't know if it's a matter of degrees. Like, Negan wants to kill fewer people, but he still wants to kill. That's true. Um, But I do think the way Charlie phrased this is really fascinating. Good Rick who wants to kill versus bad Negan who wants to save. Those seem like uh, opposites of each other, right? Like, we're supposed to think Negan is the bad guy, but he's the one trying to save people. Yeah, in his own mind. And in his own way. Right. We have to, you have to take it with a grain of salt that, uh, you know, Negan wants to save people, in quotes, uh, by 
killing someone in order to get the the larger group in line with his vision. Right. Whereas Rick wants to kill the bad guy because the bad guy is killing people. Correct. Right. Yeah. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But yes, absolutely, Charlie's right. It is interesting to look at it in terms of uh, good guy wants to kill, bad guy wants to save. Yeah. And I guess you have to think that Rick's goal is to kill the bad guy and then not kill anybody else. Right. Right. Live and survive with everybody else. Negan will continue to kill that one or two people from every group he meets to bring them on board. So maybe yeah. if you look at it that way, he's more the bad guy. He, he yeah, wants, Rick wants to a- achieve peace with extreme prejudice. R- Rick goes for the short-term killing for long-term peace. And Negan goes with the long-term killing for hopefully peace. I guess. <laughs> it's all very convoluted and very fascinating. Very, very much. All right. Next we have Adam residing in Swindon, England. Uh, you're missing the point with Negan. He's the king that demands a tax that's way too high for his people to cope with. Uh, that's the main reason why the other communities wanted to overthrow him. Negan seems delusional and unable to recognize that his demands for being saved are way too high. Uh, if his taxes in quotes, were more reasonable in the first place, the original Alexandrian community may not have ever made a deal with Rick's group in order to destroy the outpost, uh, which was one of the first events leading to the start of the war. Also, the other communities would have definitely been less inclined to join the cause. Right. So this just kind of reinforces it that uh, Negan is too extreme. He is taking, you know, the, the murdering of one or two people of each group is not the way to go. It's too high of a price to bring people on board and it will never, um, it will never truly sort of bring those communities into his group because he had to murder someone to get them in. So, um, it's too much to ask. There's a, yeah, there's a better way to do this. I mean, sure. Be an asshole. Sure. Show up and take all their friggin' Uh, mattresses, take all their guns, take everything useful and say, you have to pay a tithe to me uh, and you will be completely dependent on me in order to uh, safeguard you against the zombies. That's absolutely a workable situation. I mean, sure, you're still an ass, but you're not killing anybody. Right. uh, But you're making them completely dependent on you for defense. And uh, in in order to get that, uh, it's extortion, essentially. (laughs) Pretty much. uh, it is, so you have to, there's a way to work this without actually having to kill anybody. So the fact that Negan wants to kill somebody in order to uh, achieve this um, proves Adam's point that uh, the taxes are just too high and eventually they're going to try and overthrow you. Right. It, it it frames him as the bad guy again, or or solidifies him more as, as sort of the bad guy or the, the at least the guy with the, the bad approach. The, yeah. Right. To, to the, to the same ultimate goal. So, uh, I think, I think our, you know, uh, string of emails here has kind of swung us back and forth a little bit, but ultimately I think I would come down on the side that Negan definitely is a little more evil and uh, a little more bad and going about things the wrong way. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Not quite there, (laughs) but probably. Yeah. All right, Mark in Indiana writes, I love this episode. I think it was exactly what the season needed. And honestly, I could say the same about the entire series. It opened up more storylines that are not only new, but very intriguing. First, 
the new hints that the junkyard is more than just a junkyard, and why Jada started talking the way she did in the first place. Second, the growing conflict between Simon and Negan, and all the possibilities there. Yeah, both very intriguing storylines. Especially the junkyard stuff for me. I hope very much that we're going to get more information on that. I mean, they can't just dangle that out there and not tell us. But with uh, with all of the scavengers dead, except for one, um, I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen with Jadis. Is she just going to integrate into one of these groups? Is she going to wander around on her own for a while? Is she going to show up just at the right moment and save the day somehow? I don't know. Do uh, you think she's a helicopter pilot? She's probably a helicopter pilot, right? Well... Because if there's a helipad and the junkyard is uh, secretly something else that needs a helipad and all the other junkyard people are dead except for Jadis, Jadis has to be a helicopter pilot. I hope so. I hope Simon didn't kill all their helicopter pilots and she's the only one who doesn't know how to do it because that would be a bummer. Yeah. To have a helicopter. It's the only only reasonable explanation. uh, Yeah. I... They, they've got to give us something there. They, they have yeah. to give us something. And, and uh, I just, I'm curious to see how, how it plays out or how they kind of reveal it to the audience. Should be good. Yeah. And the, uh, the Negan-Simon conflict is going to be interesting too. We've got a very decent Three's Company situation going on here. <laughs> and what I mean by Three's Company situation is that there was always two parties in, uh, in Three's Company that didn't know what the other person knew and the audience knew exactly what was going on. And that made for good, interesting comedy. So we've got that situation right now. Uh, where there's a conflict between two people and they don't really know what's going on, or at least uh, Negan doesn't. Simon knows what's going on, but we, the audience, know. Mm-hmm. And that makes that makes for very interesting television. Absolutely. Uh, I have a feeling it will play out in a less comedic way than it usually did on Three's Company. Yeah, but, I mean, any show could use Don Knotts. You know, God rest his soul. What was, uh, what was the name Mr. of the, the, um, the neighbor, the funny neighbor guy? <sighs> Larry. Larry, yes. Like womanizer Larry? Uh, well, they were all womanizers. Jack was a womanizer too, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, the whole show was very, you know, non-PC. It would never fly today. There's no way. No, nor should it. Nor should it. Yeah. But, you know, Don Knotts, bring it on. Yeah, funny guy. Definitely funny guy. Yeah, <laughs> well, Don we're going we're gonna to have to find out how the uh, Negan-Simon audience threes company situation plays out. Yeah. We, uh, and I think it'll be fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So I'm next, I think. Uh, Andy, uh, finally sunny after the snow, UK. Yeah. Uh, uh, he writes, uh, the fact that Jadis can actually speak properly after all makes for a potentially interesting storyline. Uh, but they've made me hate the garbage people so much with their annoying way of speaking for so long <laughs> that I now don't care. Uh, which could have been solved with just one or two scenes of Jada speaking broken English in front of Rick and the gang and then speaking normally once they had left. That way we'd have known there was more to them than just being generally annoying. But this now feels like an afterthought by the writers. You know, I don't know. It never occurred to me that the the way of speaking of the garbage people was uh, was just something they did when others were around. Like I always assumed they spoke like that to each other and that's just the way they lived. So I, I yeah, I it's hard. I mean, you your kids learned how to speak pig Latin at some point. Uh, they kind of know it, yeah, but not really. Maybe they'll still get there. 
Yeah, but you think they're going to spend the whole day speaking pig Latin? Um, That's tough. Yeah, that is tough. (laughs) So having this weird, sorry, having this weird speech pattern to actually keep it up for any length of time would be exhausting. Hmm. So you don't think they are speaking like that when no one else is around? Well, I don't know if anybody but the main three are speaking like that because we really haven't heard anything by these other people. Uh, you know, all that we all we know about them is that they follow along and then walk around in strange patterns. Yeah, when uh, when they need to go places, uh, it's some kind of weird barnyard dance. I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, maybe I'm sorry, barn dance, barnyard I a, dance. Whatever. I have a barnyard dance book for my son, and that's <laughs> everybody ready for the barnyard dance. Um. So what was I, I got the barnyard dance in my head now. They're weird. Garbage people walking around weird. I don't know if any, anybody, but the three main people, Jadis and I forget their names. Brian and Tamiel. Yeah, that's them. Uh, I'm not sure anybody else speaks that way, except for these people that are probably, uh, like I said on Monday, uh, in some kind of intimate relationship. Well, the other ones rarely, like, don't speak much at all. I mean, they could be all pretty quiet all the time, which makes it much easier to hang on to an unusual speech pattern if you just don't talk. So okay. we're going to talk this way. You don't talk. Yeah. Is that because you're so just screw it up. <laughs> you just fuck it up. So just, you know, you're better off just don't talk uh, and, and walk around in a weird circle if you wouldn't mind. Right. This is, this is the way we do things now. And who names their kid Tamiel? You think that's a real name? Well, I'm sure it is. And there's probably somebody out there going, I did, you bastard. Okay. Or Well, well, maybe they will now. I mean, you know how many Khaleesi's are out there now? Probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah, there are. If you ever, ever have another kid, name it Tamiel. No. (laughs) I I can ask. (laughs) You can't hurt to ask. You can try. (laughs) I've always liked the name Stanley for a girl, personally. All right. Stanley Chewbacca Miles. That does sound or, good. Or Bert and Ernie. All one word. <laughs> Bert and Ernie. <laughs> Bert and Ernie. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. We've got a few more, uh, well, a few more emails and a call here that are about last week's episode, but I wanted to throw them in. So, uh, and I get to do what I want. So here we go. <laughs> All right, then. The first one is our old friend, Anwin in New Zealand. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Anwin here. Holy crap, did you see how much screen time Simon had? Pretty much the whole time Simon was on screen, I was thinking, Jason is going to be loving this. He was hilarious. Every little raise of the eyebrow was fantastic. Um, Also wanted to say I really agree with what Tom said last week um, in the feedback show about um, taking some of the impact away from Carl's death by cutting it into all of that stuff in the kingdom. I thought it was really unnecessary. And I actually felt more sad watching a YouTube video of people watching Carl's death than I did with the actual episode with all that cutting in. I think it was more emotional this week um, seeing the aftermath with Rick and Michonne. Um, Thanks so much for the podcast as always. I love the wild tangents that you keep going off. The Ant-Man stuff last week just um, made my day. Thanks Jason, you're hilarious. Keep up the good work guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks Anwen. So that's a thing, eh? Reaction videos where people film themselves watching a show and reacting to it. I was going to ask that that, that's something I've never. I mean, YouTube is uh, crazy huge, right? There's there's no way you can watch all of YouTube. Uh, No, it's not physically possible. You'd be dead long before you got through half of what was uploaded this afternoon. Yes. So that's a thing on YouTube where you watch uh, people uh, record themselves. 
yeah. watching something, watching a show and reacting. And then people to it. watch that. Yeah, people do it for Game of Thrones. People do it for Walking Dead. Obviously, it's a reaction video. So, um, it's a thing. And uh, I guess there are reaction videos to Carl's death episode, which Ann Winston saying is you know even more emotional because you don't get the cutting back and forth between the uh, kingdom stuff, which I didn't like, and I don't think they should have done. Well, I think I should record reaction videos because they'd be boring as hell because, you know, uh, I don't physically react to things. No. Like my face wouldn't change. I'd just be sitting there going. (laughs) You just sit there. I know this is audio only, but that's basically how entertaining it would be. Sure. It would be me going. See, see how that dead air is funny? Um, <laughs> Jason's yeah. resting face. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> no, nobody wants to. Oh, my resting face is my mouth wide open and me snoring. That's my <laughs> resting face. <laughs> right. All right, then. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's a thing. But uh, thank you, Anwen, for uh, calling that in. I hope we get to meet her someday. That would be super cool. That'd be fun. I mean, Let's I go w- to New Zealand. I want to meet all our listeners because they're all super cool. But uh, yeah, New Zealand's a little far, but maybe someday. They have sheep, lots of them. So I've heard. Yeah, me too. I have a friend, uh, well, not a friend, uh, someone I knew in high school moved to New Zealand. Well, let's go she, down and- She lives there now. Let's go mi- visit her. Can we stay with her? Can we move into her place? I assume so. Of course. I mean, then. I haven't talked to her in 20 years, but pff, why not? Why not? Of course. That way, all we have to do is pay for our flights and our food, and then we can stay for free. Yeah, she just had a baby. Perfect. I'm I'll, sure we're welcome. I'll babysit. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Moving, moving all on. All right. Moving on. Next, uh, we have an email uh, from Antoine in New York. Uh, As I was watching Carl's last moments, I thought to myself, at least Carl is closer to an adult age and has a family around him uh, at such a time. Not not that it makes a death any less scary, but I'm sure it helps. Then I immediately thought of poor Sophia, who was, uh, as far as we know, forced her, uh, forced her, Mm. faced her ordeal alone. And that made me extremely sad. And then he writes, uh, sorry for the late feedback. Uh, I should be caught up in uh, the next day or two uh, with this storm keeping me off from work. So New York's getting a snowstorm, I guess. But um, yeah, you know, this this brought to my attention the idea that, you know, Carl, he got bit, of course, sure. And then he died with his family surrounding him, which, you know, he's still dying. But I guess there's some comfort in that. Poor Sophia gets lost by herself in the forest on her own as a girl younger than Carl, I think, or maybe he's supposed to be around the same age, and has to face that herself, has to go through that and die all by herself on her own, and then turn into a zombie and get corralled by Otis into a barn. Like, that is a terribly sad and depressing thing to even consider. It's horrifying. Yes, is, is what that is. It's it's horrifying to consider that that may happen to someone uh, of that age. I know, which is it's pretty bad. Isn't your isn't your daughter Sophie about that age now? She's eleven. So I I don't want her to wander off on her own and turn into a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, uh, just I'm that kind of shit freaks me out now. They, people have been telling me my whole life that uh, everything changes when you have a kid. And my initial thought was, you know, shut up. Yeah. And then every, <laughs> and then you have a kid and you realize what they're talking about. Yeah. And then you hear shit like this and there's stuff on the news that happens every once in a while and it freaks me the fuck out and I hate it. <laughs> yes. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And uh, 
the Sophia stuff has always been pretty sad, but I never really thought through sort of what she must have gone through. And I know it's only a TV show, but man, you just can't help but apply that to what if this was yeah. real life? And uh, it's crazy. There's just a certain amount of real life that you just have to ignore in order to get through your day. Yeah, there's like a certain you, amount of re you, real life you have to ignore to get through real life. Yeah, because if you if you let it all in, you wouldn't. Uh, you it would be it would be almost impossible to function. I think that's true. You have to yeah. be able to filter a little bit. So I I told you about the time that I spent at work uh, when I got my the first iPhone I got. I got an app that was a uh, a police scanner app. You could listen to various police scanners around the world. Right. And I listened to a Toronto police scanner for an afternoon, just about police officers talking about shit that was going on in Toronto for an afternoon. And it scarred me for life. <laughs> like there, this, the daily shit that goes on just in Toronto, it freaked me out to the point where I can't, I have a hard time telling people about what I heard. Yeah. And real life just, anyway, I just have to ignore a very large amount of real life in order to just get through the day. That was uh, all happening in your backyard and you had no idea until your eyes were opened by this police scanner. And you know what? I think that kind of, well, we live in a world now where it's even harder to ignore all that stuff because of everything that's going on in the world and the yeah. amount of news we get and the, the immediacy of information that's presented to you. I, uh, just a one little teaser of a thing that I heard at the end of your street, there is, I think it's a, uh, uh, it's some kind of ice cream store now, but it used to be a bank it right did. at the end of your street. Yep. It was a bank mm -hmm. that day, that bank was robbed and the getaway car drove right past your house. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> like I'm that? like, holy shit. They just like, like they jumped in the car and drove right down your street, right past your house in order to get away from a bank robbery. Yeah. That, uh, that bank, and in fact, I think most banks I've heard get robbed way more often than you think. Um, yeah. a dude was shot. It sounds like I live in a terrible neighborhood, but I actually don't. Um, some guys attacked an armored car that was, you know, there one night, uh, doing armored car stuff, um, picking yeah. up money, dropping off money, whatever they do. Some guys attacked it and fired shots. I live in a really pretty nice neighborhood, pretty safe neighborhood, but this can happen anywhere. And it is crazy to think. Yeah. Well, you, the one advantage of your neighborhood is that you're close to highways. Mm -hmm. and there's lots of ways to get away from that neighborhood. <laughs> is that an advantage so, or is that why people are robbing banks? No, it's an, it's, it's an advantage of, and it is why they're robbing banks mm. because there's uh, lots of avenues to uh, escape the police. Like it's all a big, it's a big grid and you can, there's lots of getaway routes. All right. Well, also lots of avenues to escape zombies. So when the zombie apocalypse happens, I'm popping in my car and I'm out of here. Yeah. Grab that armored car while you're, while you're at it. Cause that probably would help. <laughs> yeah, probably would. Okay. Let's, uh, stop talking about the horrible neighborhood I live in and move on to Lee <laughs> on a roof in tote. Oh, oh, toteness. I don't know. <laughs> totness. Totness. Maybe totness. Yeah. Uh, so this is about the final scene of last week's episode. Lee writes, I have a slightly different take after watching the last five minutes of the episode a couple of times. Could the blood on Rick belong to Carl? Rick and Michonne had to go back in the church to recover Carl's body. And it's highly likely that Rick may have cradled Carl before moving him. It's not unreasonable to assume Carl's blood would get on Rick. 
We also get a shot of Rick and Michonne burying Carl. I noticed Rick is wearing the same clothes in the burying scene as he is when he's slumped against the tree. No time jump, guys. It's just the progression from very rough night in the sewer to Carl's death in the church in the morning to funeral in Alexandria. Then Rick, emotionally shattered, slumped against that tree with Carl's wishes of a peaceful future with Negan swirling around in his frazzled mind. So I thought this was a fascinating take, uh, like a fascinating simplified take on everything. The internet was going crazy with, oh my God, what's happening to Rick? Why is he bloody? Is he dying? Is he bit? Is this in the future sometime? What's going on? But nobody really stopped to notice that he is indeed wearing the same clothes. Um, the shirt looks looked to me like a slightly different color, but it could have been exactly the same shirt. It was certainly the same style. And maybe this just is like half an hour later with Rick just exhausted and still suffering the shock of his son's death. And he's sitting there with his son's blood all over him because his son just shot himself in the head. I mean, this is a pretty plausible scenario in my mind. It is plausible, uh, but I kind of hope it isn't this scenario because then that would mean that they're messing with us again. But are they? I mean, they're they're showing us something that, I mean, if Lee is on to anything here, actually is kind of obvious. It's like the character's in the same damn clothes. You know, he hasn't changed. This is 20 minutes later. Um so they're not really telling us that they're, they're not really saying or giving us any, any information to indicate that this is at any point way in the future or, or whatever. They're just showing us this scene and sure we will, we will probably come back to it, but why are we all assuming that this is anything more than simply Rick, um, you know, dealing with the loss of his son? I just think it's a fascinating idea. It is. Is it a fasc? It is a fascinating idea, and part of me wishes that this is uh, exactly what it is, and that we didn't see this uh, as as being obvious. But uh, it sure looks like you know. It's one thing to just be sad, sitting up against a tree, and being upset, and having the red eyes, and having blood on your shirt. But it sure looks like he's injured. And it sure feels like he's injured. And if he's not, they're messing with us. Okay. It does look like he's injured. I will agree with you there. The fact that it feels like he's injured, I think we are doing to ourselves. I think we're- it's, it's our fault? I think the as, audience- As an audience? Yes. I think the audience is applying that to the scene. The audience is injecting that in the scene. He, he looks- I mean, he looks upset and we know he says, I hope my, um, what is it? Something prevails over my wrath. My, uh, yeah. mercy prevails over my wrath. You know, that's him dealing with this situation. He wants to kill Negan so bad. And his son just told him, don't make peace, learn to live with these people. And, and Rick is trying to come to terms with that. This could be, I'm telling you like 10 minutes later <laughs> and Michonne yeah. is giving him a minute to just get his shit together before they he'll go on the road. So I, I don't know. I there's, there's something to be said for the simplest solution is usually the right one. Well, that's the Occam's razor. Is that what that is? Yeah. That, yeah. It may, it might apply here. That's all it I'm saying. It might apply. 
And it was, there was uh, one thing I wanted to to call out here that uh, that Lee wrote there was uh, maybe it's just a progression uh, from a very rough night in a sewer to Carl's death in a church. Uh, is there any night in a sewer that isn't rough? Like, can you ever spend a pleasant night in a sewer? <laughs> no, all the nights in sewers that I've spent have been yeah. rather upsetting. It just it strikes me as that if you're going to spend the night in a sewer, it's going to be a rough night. It's going to be a rough night, absolutely. And and yeah. when you come out the other side and your son dies in your arms and you have to bury him, and then you slump down against a tree, you're going to look pretty upset. Yeah, but are you going to look like you just got shot? You might. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. It it worries me. It worries me because I don't like it when they when they mess with us. Yeah, but how is this any different than showing us Carl's vision and not telling us anything about that? I mean, is that messing with us? And it worked out okay. Well, now you're making me question everything I ever believed or know. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Maybe everybody's messing with me all the time about everything. Every second. Just because they're telling me their hopes and dreams. And they're going to get shattered, so they're probably just messing with me. Every second of the day, they're messing with you. (laughs) (laughs) So, All right, we better move on to the last email here. You got it. All right, next, uh, last email we have is from uh, Alicia in uh, Ratcliffe, Arkansas. It's all for you. Hello, she says. (laughs) Your resident resident medical consultant here. I was listening to your podcast about the inside of bodies stinking, and the answer is no. Only if something is wrong or has been cut into accidentally. As a matter of fact, the smell of flatulence during abdominal surgery means the bowel has been nicked, and this is a huge problem. Once, a surgeon I work with smelled the redolent scent of a fart (laughs) and thought that he had nicked a patient's bowel with an instrument. So he began running the bowel, meaning he pulled length of bowel out of the abdomen to inspect it. This is, uh, anyway, I'll talk about that later. Uh... (laughs) looking for leakage. After about 10 seconds of this, the scrub tech stopped him and admitted in front of six to eight people in a surgical suite that he broke wind, causing the (laughs) horrid stench and the patient was fine and the surgeon had not caused injury. So if there's a bad smell, something is wrong. The smell of the inside of a body just smells like fresh meat and blood. There you go. So uh, you were saying (laughs) last week or the week before that the insides of bodies. Oh, when Morgan pulled the intestine, the guy's intestines out, the insides yeah, of was, bodies. He, this, is, this is what he was doing. He was running the bowel. Right? He, was he was running the bowel. Checking it for leakage. <laughs> That's exactly what he was doing. But uh, apparently the insides of people don't really smell other than um, fresh meat. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess the only thing I really have to base this on is that everything that has ever come out of me has smelled. <laughs> <laughs> so That's, I assume the inside of my body smells. Feels like a little too much information, but hey, <laughs> I, I I think you're, you know, more power to you. <laughs> but I just, you know, it's, I'm running off of anecdotal uh, information here. I guess. Sure. And you're, of course, talking about your breath. When you breathe out, you have stinky breath. Everything. It doesn't matter what it is. I guess, except maybe tears. I don't know if tears smell, but, you know. Okay. They might. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. But uh, thank you, Leisha or Lachey. Leisha. It just makes me, it also makes me wonder. So the inside of a body just smells like fresh meat and blood. Yep. I guess that's not a bad thing. No, I don't think so. I mean, you kind of know what blood smells like. I don't know if I know what fresh human meat smells like, but. Well, I guess it just smells like meat. It's all different than a fresh 
cow meat maybe beef as as they say yeah maybe uh cows eat a lot of grass probably smell a little bit like grass you, oh, but humans, they're so flatulent as well i mean you'd think that the inside of a cow really smells you would think but i guess it probably doesn't but i, it's I such don't a weird world eh? where you just assume the inside of somebody stinks and it doesn't isn't it funny it's amazing how the world works and it's amazing how the human body works too yeah all right. Well, thank you for the clarification. And uh, any time we make any other crazy assumptions about anatomy or the human body, please write in and let us know. Yeah. And maybe stories about, uh, you know, when somebody farted and had to admit it uh, in front of their uh, coworkers. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's embarrassing. And it, I guess it's, what do you, <laughs> I'm worried about uh, people farting in surgical theaters. Does that make them uh, unsanitary? Like if you're sitting there and you're you're like you're scrubbed in and you want everything to be as clean and sanitary as possible and somebody goes <laughs> and you're like okay so now the room stinks uh, is that is it just smell or is there like that that's gonna mean that there's like a uh, uh, little there's you know minuscule minuscule pieces of poop flying around it's and that's got to be bad it's, right it's called farticulate there's farticulate Fart, in the air fuck off that's a real word. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think I just made it up. <laughs> and cool, I'm, gonna, in, in, I'm using that. An individual particle is a farticle, and the, the, the cloud <laughs> is farticulate, right? No, you're making that up. No, that's, that's, I'm not making that up. That's too awesome. I'm that's not, not real. Known that for my whole life. Um, uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> the thing is, I'm sure people are farting in, in, uh, in, uh, surgery operating rooms so, all the time because no they gotta leave right it's like i gotta fart you you gotta leave the room but yeah i guess you're in the middle of surgeries so you can't just up and go no surgeon right? is like, like i can't excuse himself for a minute to go out and then come back in i think it just happens i mean you probably have to you probably get to know these people a little bit you work with them and you become I'm not worried about you know, smelling the people you worked with, smelling their farts. I'm worried about the farticulate getting into the open cavity of the surgery you're you're doing. I don't think that's a problem. You, it's, it's not a problem. It's not like the a human body is able to deal with yes. farticulate. I'm going to use this word all the time now. Yeah, do it. Fart farticules, farticule and farticulate. Yes, that's too I, much. I can't. I don't think that's a problem. I think it's it's not like a mento flew in there and landed inside somebody. So or somebody's watch or somebody's watch. Yeah, I I don't think it's a big deal. Um. And it is what it is. Like if you are a uh, scrub tech in a, in an operating room and you got a fart, you say, I, I let one rip. Don't worry. You didn't nick the bowel. Okay. At the very least, that's got to be a problem in the fact that if there's farticulate flying around, okay, if somebody lets loose a fart in an operating theater and there's the smell of farts, that's now going to mask the fact that you may have nicked the bowel because you was the, if you smell farts, you just assume that's okay, everything's fine. And then you accidentally nick the bowel and you don't notice anymore. So it's got to be a problem in that regard. Well, that's bad, I suppose. Yeah, but that's why you own up to it right away. And then the surgeon performing the surgery is more... Um, just, just aware. And he knows like, what do you do? You go hands off until it dissipates. Just so, you know, if you do nick the bowel that you smell it again. Or, you know, maybe you're doing knee surgery, so it's less likely to nick the bowel. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be a really bad surgeon to do that. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> you're horrible. Uh, I'm sorry. It's my first day. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right. There's all kinds of rules here that, uh, I think I feel should be in place in a, in an operating 
theater. I'm sure. Uh, and the other thing is I heard once that the average person just walking around farts like 15 times a day, 15 to 20 times a day, something like that. So we're all farting all the time and you're constantly walking through other people's farticulate and just think about that all day. Okay. No, that's fine. I'm actually okay with that because anytime, uh, like if I smell it or I breathe it, I mean, it's all seems really gross and stuff, but my body is able to deal with that shit, right? Cause the, sorry, bad pun. If, if it wasn't, we'd, we wouldn't have survived as a species this long. Right. We're, you know, we're physically capable of putting crap in our mouths. <laughs> I keep using this friggin' <laughs> phrase. We're perfectly capable of putting stuff in our mouths that is completely unsanitary and not good for us. And our body is able to deal with it. Luckily. Yes. Right. When I'm in surgery or if someone's in surgery and their abdomen is open, that's an exceptional case. That's why they have these clean rooms or, you know, sanitary conditions because your body's not normally able to deal with this if, uh, because it's not through one of the mechanisms of us ingesting, uh, Got it. reality. <laughs> ingesting reality. Okay. Right. So anyway, I just, it, it, it worries me because there's, there's all kinds of, uh, of, of things going on here that, uh, could be bad and <laughs> farticulate is one of them. <laughs> I can't deal with it. We got to move on. All right. Well, I, we've talked about farting in operating rooms for like five <laughs> minutes, maybe more now. So, okay. The point is the inside of people don't smell. Yes. And that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for writing and calling in. Uh, that was fantastic. We will be back on Monday when we are recording our recap of the next episode of The Walking Dead. And if you would like to hear yourself, yourself, read the title of that episode, you should record it and send it in to us and I will play as many as I can. And it's a weird title for next is it week. Farticulate? No, it's not. That would be funny. It is a weird title though. So I think you could have some fun with this one, everybody. The title of next week's, next week's episode is Dead or Alive or. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dead or Alive or. And the way it's written down on the internet is the second or is capitalized, but the first one is not. So it's weird. Oh, it's somebody's name. Dead like or Bobby Orr, but only with one R, I assume. Yeah, with one R. Or it is the French word for gold, maybe. Dead or alive oh, yeah. or gold. Uh, anyways, it's weird. So uh, let's get some title reads for that one. Because I read that and was like, what? Is that a typo? Dead or alive or something? Come on. Uh, but I have no idea. That's what it's listed as. So huh. record that on your phone. Send it in. Uh, that'll be fun. And I'll play them on uh, next Monday's podcast. But in the meantime, you can also send any feedback you would like by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and clicking on the send voicemail link at the top. You can also visit us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And of course, as usual, all your emails can be sent to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And before we wrap up today, uh, I just want to remind everyone that I do another podcast that's part of the <clears throat> Podcastica network about Ash versus Evil Dead on Stars. We are now uh, two episodes in to season three of that show. So if you're a fan of that show, uh, check it out. Visit podcastica.com to find the Evil Dead cast that I do with uh, Jason and Rich, a couple of other very cool guys and big fans of Evil Dead. 
which is a lot of fun. And we're going to be recording our podcast about episode three coming up this weekend. So um, check that out if you want. Jason, do you do any other podcasts that I don't know about that you want to plug? I absolutely do not. I can think of a couple. <laughs> that you have nothing to do with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nothing. No, I can think of a couple of podcasts that I'd like to do. Oh, but, uh, theoretical. Who has time? Theoretical podcasts. Yeah, not me. I now do something podcast related six nights a week. Nice. Yeah, it's it's getting to be quite a bit. And and, and there are others I want to do too, but I just don't have that. I'd have to quit my day job and I can't do that because then my children would go hungry and that'd be bad. Yeah, they'll no, find something to eat. It'd be bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, if you've got nothing to plug, I think we're done. Okay. We're done. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday, everyone. Send in your feedback to all those different places if you'd like. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.